Brought to you by the WZIP sports team, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. I didn't really plan to ask this, but since you brought it up, what's it like kind of having like your own meme? Like how does that make you feel? <laughs> Exclusive original content. He crosses paths with another best in the world. Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Well, like... I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise the <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of SBT Overtime. We got a double header for you this week, and it is Stanley Cup playoff season once and for all, and we are excited to be talking about it. My name is Dan Groen, and as always, I am joined by Pat Weber. What's going on? We got a lot to talk about, a lot of playoff predictions, who we think is going to win the Stanley Cup, who's going to win the awards, uh, but first... We got to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets season. It kind of ended in some disappointment, but it really could have been a lot worse. Uh, where, how do you feel about where the Blue Jackets ended up? Is this like kind of where you expected them to finish? Yeah, as much as I don't want to admit it, I I thought this is kind of how it would end. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a disappointment. I mean, it's kind of the same thing every year. Getting into the routine of we start out on fire and then we get cold and we're cold for way too long. I think we finished a little bit better than I would have thought going into this season, looking at everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say I'm not mad because I am a little bit upset that we're not in the playoffs, but I'll take this year to kind of step back and recognize it as a rebuilding year because that's what this is. Yeah, and, pretty much. And we finished really well for a rebuild year. So I'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah, we did. I expected them to finish around 500. I thought maybe we could get a little bit above, but we are almost like perfectly 500. We finished 37, 38, and 7, good for 81 points and 6 in the Metro, which sounds pretty bad, you know, finishing 6 in the Metro, but we also got to realize how top-heavy this Metropolitan Division is. You got Carolina, Rangers, Pittsburgh, and Washington – as your top four, Washington has 100 points, and then the fifth-place team, the New York Islanders, who had a very disappointing year as well, they finished with 84 points. So they were a whole 16 points behind the team right above them. So this wasn't your typical Metro Division year where it seemed like almost everyone except like the last team or two was in playoff contention. This was a very top-heavy year, and that really did work against the Blue Jackets. But... There is a lot of optimism because they didn't finish in last place. They have a lot of, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. It is kind of a rebuild year, and not only do they have a somewhat high pick of their own, but they also have the Chicago Blackhawks first round pick from last year's trade with uh, Seth Jones, I believe. And they ended up finishing third and last in the Western Conference for 68 points. So this rebuild is really going how it should it, it, it's going to be frustrating to watch on the ice but this is really a process that is pretty much going our way pretty much going how we want it to and we're going to end up getting a lot of really good prospects so absolutely and the thing you want to realize is how young we really are and to finish right. where we finished with just like kind of the age gap here I think the oldest player on our roster 
is it's between Jacob Voracek and probably Gus Gustav Nyquist. Yeah, yeah. It, they're both thirty-two, and those right. are the oldest players on our team. And the youngest goes to Kent Johnson. Yeah, so shout out Kent Johnson, nineteen years of age. And the fact that Cole Sillinger at eighteen, he might be nineteen now, eighteen years old, he was a full-time NHL player. He finished with 31 points, a 16, 15, and 31 scoring line through 79 games. That just tells how impressive that is. I mean, for for an 18-year-old, I mean, you shouldn't even be, like, thrown right into the league at that age. And so, really, the sky's the limit for him. And so, I kind of want to get talking about that. Who are some of our most... Who, who are some of the players that impressed us the most and some who disappointed the most? I can start, I think... I'll name I'll, I'll name three or four most impressive. the The first one is probably Patrick Laine because absolutely. he had a absolute rebound year and has shown that he is still one of the best goal scorers in the entire league, despite having an off year last year, kind of coming into a new system that was really crumbling under John Tortorella. So I think that he is definitely worth a long term contract. Another one on the defensive side is Andrew Peak. To me, this year. Now that Seth Jones is out, now that we've had that we're a little more thin at defense, he has stepped into that role to show that he can be a true top four, even a top pair defenseman, along with Zach Wierenski. So those are my top two. And then I also have Cole Sillinger for the reasons I just mentioned. And then another one is Jake Voracek, because he, he was our number one scorer with 62 points in 79 games. And what I love about that, only six of those points are, our goals. He has 56 assists, which just shows how valuable he is to this uh, this uh, offense. He's and, a pass first player, and that's why I like him. Because even though sometimes he does pass up an open shot that he might have, he's always looking to move the puck to his teammates and make them better. And that's why I really liked what he did at first. Initially this year, I remember we talked about this. I wasn't happy with the trade, mm-hmm. and now we're at the end of the season. And I'm like, you know what? I love this trade. Because he elevated everybody else around him. He allowed the young guys on this team to look like stars, and they are going to be stars because they play alongside Voracek. Yeah, and you plug him in along with Patrick Laine, who is a shoot-first kind of guy. He's not going to be one where, I, I, I've said this a lot before, he's kind of like a Clay Thompson if you're not uh, well-versed in the hockey. He's kind of like a Clay Thompson where he is an absolute deadly shooter, but he's not going to drive a bunch of plays on his own. So you need someone who's going to feed him the puck. And I think that it was a perfect fit for Voracek to come into a system where you need those playmakers. While Cam Atkinson, who was a scorer, a shoot-first kind of player, he definitely thrived over there in Philadelphia. So it was definitely a very equal win-win trade there. So who are some of the players that you were most impressed with this season? So the number one player that I was the most impressed with was definitely Cole Sillinger. Mm-hmm. He is actually 18 years of age, so I apologize. But still shout out Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger. Cole Sillinger will be turning 19 in 14 days. Wow. So shout out Cole. 18 years and already a star. Like right. like we mentioned, he has played out of his mind. He I don't he's just so good. I, I have yeah. no words that can describe how happy I am that we have him on our team. And the fact that, you know, like we said, he's only 18. And he's putting up borderline all-star numbers. Yeah, absolutely. That's insane. Yeah, we got him, I think, 12th overall. We got him. I with believe the, so, yes. Uh, uh, 
I think the Blackhawks pick from uh, last season, yeah. And so we got, hopefully, a future true number one centerman. And we also got Kent Johnson, um, who's coming in soon. And I think he, him and Cole Sillinger are going to be dangerous in uh, seasons to come. So anyone else that you're that you were super impressed another, with? Another player I was really impressed with was one of the people that we signed after he went undrafted from the University of Michigan. Even though I know as you know Ohioans don't really like Michigan that much, but, but Nick we, Blankenberg. Yeah. Come on. I mean We have to respect Michigan as a hockey school. I mean, they absolutely. are they're like the Alabama of the hockey mm-hmm. world. And there's been a lot of really good players coming out of there. Even on the Blue Jack, Zach Wierenski was fresh out of Michigan. And so, yeah, having the captain of that team that somehow didn't win the uh, Frozen Four championship, um, having him on the team is going to be super helpful, especially when you have Kent Johnson, who's also from Michigan. And the reason I like Nick Blankenberg so much is because when you look at, like, how tall he is, because he's not that tall, Mm -hmm. he is... 5'9", that's maybe an inch taller than I am, right? But he plays like he's the tallest man out there. He has such a drive, and he just hustles to everything. Like, he's a phenomenal player, and I'm glad that we signed him because when I watched him in his first game, I mean, he got a point in his first game. That doesn't happen very often, and it was an assist. He's got a couple of good hits in there. He was going after everything, and it was good to see that drive because it kind of picked up everybody else to say, oh, well, Let's match what the rookie's doing. So it kind of yeah. elevated all of that. Yeah. And some, then some things aren't necessarily about your yeah. your point line. It's that, like you said, that drive, that forecheck, that physicality. And like you said, that first game that I watched of him was I was really impressed by the physicality he brought. And it was a lot like um, Justin Danforth kind of impressed me yeah. in that way too. I mean, I don't think he has like a super bright future to become a star here because I think he is twenty seven. And so there's not a ton of room for him to grow, but I really do like seeing that physicality that we used to have under John Tortorella that we've kind of lost over the years. I really want to see that back. Absolutely. And then the final player I had that really impressed me, even though he only played in two games this year before he went down with an injury, Danil Tarasov. Right. Because in both games that we put him out there, despite the fact he got injured during one of those games and he is 0-2, when you look at the teams, we put him out there against the Stars and um, Washington. Mm-hmm. And he gave up in between those games. Before he got hurt against Dallas, he only gave up five goals in those two games, like so far up to that point. And to me, to only give up five goals as a rookie goalie against yeah. those two teams, that's phenomenal. So we, we know we have a good backup now, especially if we can get rid of Corpusalo. Yeah, absolutely. It, losing him was a lot more detrimental than I think a lot of people understand. Because after Corpusalo got injured, after Tarasov was injured, it was really all Elvis. It and was, it was. Kinda, I think he started 15 or 16 games in a row. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to my next point. Some of the more disappointing players, for as much as I hate to say it, was probably Elvis Merzlikens because we knew that he was going to be kind of the number one guy moving forward. Even with Corpusalo healthy, we kind of understood that Elvis was the future. Even though they're both the same age, we kind of knew that he was more of the long-term answer at goalie. And so I think he still absolutely can be. And if there was a little bit of 
weight lifted off his shoulders this season, I think he would have been a little bit better. But he did have a 3.22 goals against average and was just barely above 900 in terms of save percentage. So certainly not ideal. You wanted to see kind of that next step. You know, I didn't expect him to be some Vesna candidate right away. Um, but you do want to see a little more, um, just a little more consistency there because yeah. there have been a lot of time, a lot of games where he's so good through the first two periods and then third period comes along and then everything just breaks down. Now, yeah. how much of that is on him? How much of that is on the defense? We have, there's a lot of room to grow. We're still young. We got to trust the process. So I, I'm confident that Elvis is going to step up again. He'll have a rebound year. And as much as I don't like to agree with that because you know how much I love Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he was very disappointing this season. Yeah. He started off the year looking like Bob in a way, like with the way that he was just getting everything. He wasn't allowing goals at all. Mm-hmm. And then right when Corpy uh, went down and kind of everything was thrown on Elvis, you could tell that like it was wearing him out. Yeah. And it was almost kind of the opposite of his first year here where when he was sharing that when it, when he was like the one B and Corpy was the one a, he was struggling a lot. And then when Corpus ended up going down to some injury in uh, uh, overtime, I believe it was, or regulation or something, and then Elvis became the number one guy, that's when he really rose up and his confidence shot up. I think that it's almost kind of the other way around now, where I feel like now that he's playing so much and he has he's had his uh, share of struggles, you know, he's not a bad goaltender by any means, but I think that when he does, like you said, have a little bit of pressure taken off of him, when you have Daniil Tarasov back, I think that'll definitely be beneficial for him. Yeah, because no offense to Barube, he had that one <laughs> game, and uh, that that was about it. But yeah. And Barube is up there, too, in terms yeah. of age. We don't really have 30, many so. other young goalie prospects because, I mean, there was Cam Johnson, and he, let's be honest, he wasn't really good in AHL Cleveland. So we, we are a little thin at goalie now, and, and unfortunately that comes after the the tragic passing of Matisse Kivlenix, who looked like a real solid goalie who I thought was going to be a very good number two uh, heading into the future. As did I, especially since, you know, we've we've questioned Corpus Allo's future mm-hmm. with us a lot, and I do believe that moving into this offseason, we will probably part ways with Corpus Allo. At least I would hope so. I would think. Because it's nothing against Corpus Allo, but when we've got such a young goalie in Tarasov now that... Mm-hmm plays to the level that you do. You want to give them more we w- chances, yeah. Yeah, we, we want to give the young guys their chances because they're, they're the future. Right. Right, when you're getting up there in age like Corpy, yes, him and Elvis are the same age, but I think we, Elvis plays better than Corpus Sala. Yeah, so it's and we, like, know, we know what we have in Corpus Sala because he's been playing, yeah, like you said, even though he's the same age, he's been playing a lot longer. I mean, he first got up to the AHL in 2014 or 15, and then really after that was essentially a full-time NHLer, but bounce between the AHL and, and the NHL. But we, we know what we have. We have a very solid goalie who's certainly not going to be a Vesna candidate, but isn't going to make a ton of errors. And so Elvis, he's shown that he has way more upside. And, you know, you kind of want to build on that going forward, and you want to give your young prospects like Daniil Tarasov a little more playing time. So... We'll we'll see what we have in our goalie situation. I'm confident that it'll be back up to where it needs to be. Hopefully, because if we could at least get some solid draft picks out of yeah. Corpus Allo, I'd take it. 
Right. Because right? then that'll actually give us the chance to, you know, draft a goalie that's probably going to be better than Corpy um, mm-hmm. when the future comes. But whatever happens with the whole Corpus Allo thing, that'll, that'll happen when it comes to it. Um, yep. I said, I hope we do move on as much as I don't like, you know, saying that about our players. He's one of those guys that's like, as time has gone on, I've realized he's more and more expendable. Yeah. Than most of the other guys that we've parted ways with. Definitely. So, yeah. And so, another player that I had as kind of my more disappointing players, and I'll touch on this briefly because I really want to get into the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs here, is Emil Bemstrom. There was a lot of optimism with him, you know, coming in as a, as a young prospect. And he still is pretty young. I believe he's only like 22. But he just hasn't really shown that he's capable of taking that next step to being that super intriguing prospect that he was in the juniors. He's only got, he only played a a small portion of games because I think he was injured quite a bit, but he only had 11 points through 41 games and you really want to see more out of him. You know, you don't expect him to be the top scorer for the Blue Jackets, but you want to see a little more out of your prospects and and seeing that an 18-year-old is starting to outshine you now and... Hopefully we see Kent Johnson really stepping up. You know, it's it's kind of like now do, do, do we really see what we have in Emil Bemstrom? Because I'm starting to think that he's kind of plateaued. I completely agree. He was definitely very underwhelming, although, yes, he was uh, injured for most of the season. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, 11 points in 41 games, that's that's not now. Right. You know, Just, I, I mean, know. especially when you have, like, like you said, Cole Sillinger, who's 18, and is far surpassing anything that Bemstrom is as has done. Mm-hmm. I don't really see him being the prospect that we thought. So it might be a send him back down, let him try to get some confidence, just yeah, start picking up things, and at the very least, at least be a very solid bottom six player. Absolutely, which I think he really can be. Like I said, he's still young, but it's getting to the point where. We, we kind of know what we see in him. Yeah. And he could be a very good role player. So, um, And then so before we get into the Stanley Cup uh, predictions, how do we think the Jackets are going to do next year? Do we do we think that they're going to improve? Do we think they're going to drop at all? How, how do we see them I think out? I think we're going to improve. Um, I don't know how much um, right now. I think if I had to call uh, the season, I'd say we'd finish a little over. 500, mm-hmm. kind of play it safe, but would it surprise me if we ended up in a situation kind of like where Washington is, where, like, we make it in barely, but we make it? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me because I think we have a lot of, we do have a lot of room to grow, but if we can step up fairly quickly with these young guys, I don't see a reason why we couldn't be in playoff contention. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have them finishing fifth in the Metro next year. I have them finishing ahead of about where the New York Islanders are right now. I think that it's still going to be a very top-heavy division. I think it's going to be Carolina, New York Rangers, uh, Pittsburgh, and Washington kind of controlling everything, and therefore I think the Blue Jackets are going to miss the playoffs again. But I do think that they're going to finish 90 points, which is nine more than they have this season. I think it's going to be a very slow build up I don't see them like hitting rock bottom I think they're just going to kind of be like that you know just slowly improving and then they'll probably like be the middle of the pack kind of like a, a Memphis Grizzlies yeah type of a team where like you you float in and out mm-hmm. of playoff contention and then 
it hits and it all clicks at once. And then yeah. you're right in there. It's one of the top teams in the league. Yeah. And I, I've said I didn't I've said in the past, I didn't really want us to be that. I wanted us to be to kind of just rip the band aid off and accept that we're rebuilding and then just have a like one or two really bad seasons. But with that Seth Jones trade, I mean that did us more good than we even realized. We thought we got to steal all the time. I think it's going to even pan out even better because we are kind of middle of the road right now, but we still have from last year and this year, like really good draft picks, really good lottery picks. Cause like I said, Chicago, they're third worst in the West. And so we have their first round pick. And so we almost don't need to be a completely, you know, strip it and hit rock bottom and then bounce up kind of team because we got those picks. So I think that we're in a very good place in our rebuild. And I think that we are probably a little bit ahead of the plan, I would say. We just got to get a little more defense. We got to get, you know, just have the young offense start to mesh a little bit more. And I think that we'll be back to where we will be before we know it. So Absolutely. So now it's time. Let's get into our Stanley Cup playoff predictions. They start tonight, uh, Monday the 2nd. Uh, let's go kind of round by or, or matchup by matchup here in the first rounds and kind of give our predictions. So Carolina Hurricanes versus Boston Bruins. Who do you have winning this series? I have the Hurricanes uh, okay. sweeping the Bruins. Really? Let's be honest here. The Hurricanes have been on an absolute tear this year. Absolutely. Um, um, I don't really see a, a way that the Bruins um, uh, could step up to the plate against the Hurricanes. I mean, the Hurricanes, I think... While they are younger and have less experience than the Bruins do, mm-hmm. um, their team is just loaded Absolutely. this year. When you look at it, they've been uh, better goaltending. I think their offense is more explosive. Yeah, And like I said, they're just a better overall team. While it will be a good series, I don't think the Bruins are going to take a game. Wow, interesting. I also have the Hurricanes, but I think that the Bruins, with their star power, I think they're going to take it a lot longer. I think they're going to go to... Six, I have seven, but I can also see six games for the Canes because I think the Bruins have more star power, but I think they're much more top heavy. Where if you figure out how to stop uh, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron and those kinds of players, you can you can definitely capitalize on that. And I think that Carolina is might be the most the, the best overall team in the East. I mean, there's other teams that have better. You know, might be a little more loaded on offense, like like the Panthers. But I think that when you look at from offense to defense to goaltending, I think the the Hurricanes probably are the best. Maybe you can argue the Tampa Bay Lightning because they have not gone away. But I think the Carolina Hurricanes will end up winning the series. So the next matchup we have the New York Rangers versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think this is going to be a really exciting series. How do you see this one playing out? So I see the Penguins taking this series in six, and that's just under the sole fact that they do have Sidney Crosby and they yep. have that experience. And no matter where they end up being ranked in the playoffs, they always go far. Mm-hmm. And that is just the story of Pittsburgh. And like I said, they have Sidney Crosby. Yeah, He's a winner. He knows how to win. He's going to take it. Yep. So I don't think the Rangers are going to be able to hold up to that. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I have the Penguins winning in seven. I think it's going to be a very close series, but I think they have a lot more firepower, like you said, with Sidney Crosby. Um, 
I think that the Rangers' offense can be a little inconsistent at times. I really like their defense, and they have the best goaltender in the entire National Hockey League in Igor Shosturkin. But I think that they, the Rangers probably aren't going to be able to keep up with the Penguins. I think that, like I said, it'll be a very close series, but I think ultimately the Penguins have a little bit more of what it takes to uh, move on to the next round. Next one we have the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who do we have in this one? I've got the Lightning in seven under the sole fact that do let's just spill it now. Do we think the Lightning are going to go back to the Stanley Cup Finals? Maybe. I I, I want to go over that later. Um, but I also have the Lightning in six, not necessarily because of the Lightning, but because the Toronto Maple Leafs, the laughing stock of the the hockey world, no matter how good. They do. Until I'm proven wrong, until they can prove otherwise, I just cannot trust them to win a round. They're like much... the Utah Jazz. If, so if people don't know yeah. hockey, the way that we view the Maple Leafs is how the NBA views the Jazz, where it's like, okay, they can finish pretty high, pretty good, but when's the last time they won a playoff series, and when's the last time they can manage to not choke a lead away? Yeah. That's, that's where they stand, and it's the lightning. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but like, yeah, it, it's the lightning. So definitely, I think so. Um, so the next one, uh, the, our last matchup in the East, we have the Florida Panthers versus the Washington Capitals. Who do you like in this one between the President's Trophy winning Panthers and the Alex Ovechkin led Caps? As much as I don't want to admit this, I have the Panthers in five, and the sole reason why I have the Panthers in five is because of former Blue Jackets goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky, okay. who was one of the best goalies this year, mm-hmm. as always. And the Capitals rely so heavily on Alex Ovechkin that if they can just take him away, they struggle to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And taking Ovechkin away, if you're the Panthers, who also have a phenomenal defense, it's not going to be very difficult to do. So if they manage to shut down Ovechkin, it's game, set, match, and the Panthers win. Yeah, I have the Panthers winning in six in this one, and I think that the Caps are going to put up a fight because every year they're in the playoffs, they make a pretty deep run. I think that they're going to give the Panthers a little resistance, but given how hot the Panthers are as of late, they got hot at the very right time. I think that they're going to end up taking this series, moving on to the next round. So let's move over to the West now. We've got the Calgary Flames versus the Dallas Stars. I have the Flames winning pretty easily. I think the Stars might steal a game, but honestly, I think the Flames end up winning in five. I've got the Flames in six. Um, it's under like the same thing. It's like they also got hot towards the end of the season at the yeah. right time, and the Stars kind of took a step back mm-hmm. from how they were playing and. They're just like a very older team. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a very good way to put it. They're like, yeah, they have a lot of experience on that roster, but they definitely wear out a lot yeah. quicker than anybody on the Flames. Well, I think the Flames are going to handle this pretty right. easily. Their seal, the the star ceiling is only so high compared to the Flames, who have two of the top eight scores in the league in Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, and not to mention the third best goalie in terms of goals against average in Jacob Markstrom. I think that this is. Easily going to go the Flames' way. I think, like I said, the Stars might steal a game in Dallas. But other than that, I think this is really the Flames' series to lose. So the next one, we have the Edmonton Oilers, who I've dogged for a while, but they finally made it up, versus the L.A. Kings. 
I have this one being a pretty close series. I have the Oilers winning in seven. So I'm actually going to have to disagree with you okay. on this one. Um, before we started this, I said I had a surprise pick who I think could go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and oh, this really? is the matchup here. I think the Kings have a chance to surprise everybody Wow! and head to the Stanley Cup Finals and go back to where they were in, I believe it was 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, 2014, I 2013, believe. 2013, 2014, yeah. Um, I think they won two in the early 2010s. They so. did because they had uh, Jonathan Quick. Yeah. I had his rookie card. What an interesting <laughs> fact there. But I think the Kings are going to take this um, in seven. It's going to be a great series to watch. Mm-hmm. But I don't really see – so, like, the Kings, they always put up a fight no matter who they play. Yeah. And I think that if they can manage to go blow for blow with the Oilers, eventually the Oilers are going to burn out. And mm-hmm. the Kings don't burn out very easily. I mean, when right. – I think we played them. Uh, we were up, I think it was like four to one in the last three minutes, and we ended up losing that game 5-4. Because yeah. they they don't go down. They don't. They don't. And I think that's going to be the reason why I think they're they have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, I can see that happening. Like I said, I have them. In, I have Oilers in seven, so it really could go either way in a very tough matchup here. But I think the Oilers they got their momentum at the right time because I was concerned they wouldn't even make the playoffs, and yet they have all that star talent in. McDavid and Dreisaitl, but they found their groove. They uh, finished in into playoff contention, essentially. And mostly, I just want to see a Battle of Alberta playoff round because, let's be honest, the Oilers versus Flames is might be the best rivalry in all of hockey. That is, Yeah, I completely agree. They are a... Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's one of those rivalries where you, you put it on the same level as kind of like Boston and L.A., with yeah. the Lakers and the like, and the Celtics or yeah, like Ohio Pitt. State, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. And and like even in the NHL, it ranks up there with like Pittsburgh and Washington or Pittsburgh and Philadelphia or Vegas and San Jose. They had a really strong rivalry going on there. Um and it's so they us still with really the Red do. Wings. <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time, yeah. Um so next one we have the what I think is gonna be the most entertaining series of this uh, first round of the playoffs, the Minnesota wild versus the St. Louis blues. I want to see who do you have in this one? I've got the Minnesota wild in seven, but it could go either way. Like, like you said, I completely agree. This is going to be the most exciting matchup Mm -hmm. of the playoffs. Yeah. I talked to you when that matchup, I think it was the first one to be set. I said, I have the wild winning this one, but I have changed my mind since. Ooh, I also agree this is going in, uh, to seven games, but I think that the Blues are going to, they're a little more experienced, and I think they're going to find a way to kind of slow down the wild because they are one of the more hot teams in the league. Um, I think that, I don't know, man. I, I think it can go either way too, but. This this is the one that like. I think all the expectations are on Minnesota. I think yeah. everyone is kind of on Minnesota's side. I think they're getting a lot more attention. I think with the experience that the Blues have and given how dominant they've been over the last few years in the regular season versus Minnesota, again, head-to-head in the regular season doesn't mean anything come playoff time. But given how dominant the Blues were versus Minnesota for the last several years, I think that they're going to end up winning the series ultimately. But it's going to be, I think it's going to be the most exciting one of this first round. Easily. So lastly, we have the Colorado Avalanche versus the Nashville Predators. 
I think I know who you're going to pick here. You know who I'm going to pick because they're I'm my also second going team. To, I'm going to have to agree with you here on the, uh, All right, on then the pick. How many games? Six. I have this one being a clean sweep. Ooh, okay. Because the Predators are last in the West in playoff contention in a very a very top-heavy, weakened Western Conference. It's not nearly as loaded as the East is. I think the Predators kind of fell backward into the playoffs given that Vegas kind of stumbled their way out of playoff contention, and it was really the Predators. They were like the last team left. Um, obviously, you can't count out their defense led by Roman Yossi, but I think that the Avs, they have what it takes to go really far. They have the coaching. They have the talent. They're one of the most well-rounded teams in the NHL, if not the most, and I think that they handle the series very easily. So I completely agree. I think the Colorado Avalanche do take this. Yeah, so let's quickly go through our second round picks and kind of kind of going through um, who we think is going to end up going all the way. Now, we have a couple differences in who are gonna? Who's gonna win in the first round? So, let, I'm just gonna go quickly through my my bracket, and then you can go through yours. So, in round two, Canes versus Penguins. You do you have that one? I think you do. Yes, I do. I think the only disagreement we had was with the Oilers and the Kings and the Wild and the Blues. Okay, yeah. So, so there's only the main two, sort of like the initial couple. Right. So. Like, on par. <laughs> yeah, so let, let, let's just go through the ones that we do have in common. Uh, starting with the Hurricanes versus the Pittsburgh Penguins, who would you have in this one? I am going to take the Pittsburgh Penguins. Interesting. Again, the star power of, well, basically Sidney Crosby and also Latang because Latang's been hot yeah. at the right time. Um, and they have that experience that the Hurricanes are going to lack moving uh, into the playoffs. Yeah. I, I have the Hurricanes, and also I think this one's going to go to seven as well because the, the star power that the Penguins have, you know, that I think that's going to give them a lot of trouble. But I think kind of like what I said about their matchup against the Bruins, I think the Hurricanes are a more well-rounded team. And I think that this is the year that they start to make a much deeper push because we can't uh, forget that they went to game seven last year versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. And so I think that, just that experience, just that extra year, I think might be enough to push them to go really far. So we also have the uh, Battle of Florida versus the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers is going to be very intriguing. Uh, you have that one as well, right? I, I do, and I have the Florida Panthers in seven. I think okay. that the Lightning, I think their reign might be over coming up in the next few years because they've been slowly falling down the rankings in the past few years, yeah. I think it could finally be time. And the Panthers, you know, like we said, they got hot at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. And I don't see the Lightning stopping them. The East has definitely gotten a lot better and is catching up with Tampa. But two times in the last 15 years have the President's Trophy winners won the Stanley Cup. Every other year, they have not. And I think this is where... That tale continues. I think the Lightning will end up taking the floor, the Battle of Florida in Game Seven, because they're the same. They're the same dominant team. Yeah. I mean, the East, like I said, has gotten better around them, but they're still. I mean, they they won two Stanley Cups in a row, and the previous year before that, they were the President's Trophy winners. They have not gone away, and I think that they are. I think that their defense is better. Their goaltending is a lot more consistent. 
And I think that they're going to be just a little too much for the Panthers to handle. And I think they're going to move on to take on the Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference. So in the West, so you have the Flames versus the Kings, versus right? the Kings. And I have the Kings here in seven. Like I said, the Kings. Wow. I have them going to the Stanley Cup. Wow. Okay. So I have high hopes That's for bold. the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. So kind of, kind of like a New York Islanders run from kind of, last yeah. year. Yeah. I, I would love to see it for them. Um, well, now that Jeff Carter's not there, we can, we can, uh, cheer yeah. them on. Yeah. Uh, so no uh, one likes Jeff Carter. No, he is not a friend of the show. That's not sure. a friend of the show whatsoever. So I have, like I said, I had the Oilers winning that series and I have a very hard fought battle of Alberta. I think that the flames should easily beat the Oilers had they, if they were to play them, but because of that rivalry, because of how, just hard fought it is. I think that it's going to be a little more hard than we think for the Flames to win. I have the Flames moving on to the Western Conference Championship, but I have them doing that in six games. And then you had the Wild uh, moving on against the Avalanche. Yes, and I am taking the Colorado Avalanche in seven here. Um, Again, they're one of the hottest teams in hockey right now. Yeah, And And historically, the Wild have given the Avalanche a lot of trouble. They so have. I can definitely see it being like that. But I have the Blues taking on the Avs, and I think I have the Avs in six, five or six in this one. I think the Avs will fly through these first couple rounds, and they'll end up taking on the Calgary Flames in this. And then so you said that you have the LA Kings beating the Avalanche, moving on to the Stanley Cup. Who do you have winning the Eastern Conference? So in the Eastern Conference, I have... The Penguins taking on the Panthers in the in the conference championship. Okay, I have the Florida Panthers beating the Pittsburgh Penguins in five. Okay, for again like similar reasons of just the defense and goaltending, and mm-hmm. if you can stop the uh, star duo of Latang and Sidney Crosby, it slows down the Penguins a lot. And if you can slow the Penguins down, it it. Which really is hard to do. But it yeah. is hard to do, but if you manage to do it, and I think the Panthers could be able to do it, mm-hmm. it really hurts uh, their team. And it, you can see it in their play style, too. When in the past, like, if you shut down Sidney Crosby and Latang, they kind of freeze up because it's like, okay, yeah. our star guys aren't performing. What do we do? Right. So I think the Panthers will be able to do that. So in my Stanley Cup, I have the Florida Panthers versus the LA Kings. Yeah, listen, I would love for the President's Trophy uh, curse to come to an end. Um, But ultimately, I have the Hurricanes versus the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference. Initially, I had the Lightning, but I think that this is going to be the year that they do start to fade out, and I think that the Hurricanes are going to come back trying to seek revenge for that seven-game series from last season. And I think that the Hurricanes are finally going to get over that hump and advance over to the Stanley Cup final, which was my prediction going back months ago. I thought that the Hurricanes would end up winning the Eastern Conference with the Avalanche, easily making it to the West. So I have the Avs winning the West, uh, Canes winning the East, and I have the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup once and for all. Uh, It'll be the first time since 2001 that they've done so, and I have Nathan McKinnon, hoisting up the Conn Smythe Trophy, the Stanley Cup MVP. That's who I have. I know that we have entirely different matchups, so who do you have winning it all? So even though I have praised the LA Kings high and low (laughs) in this segment, 
uh, in their matchup with the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers will win in six, and the MVP of the Stanley Cup Finals will be Sergei Bobrovsky. Wow, that that is bold. Even though I have, not, I not, still remember Bob. Okay, yeah. I, right now, not a friend of the show because of how <laughs> you backstabbed us. But as much as I have personal reasons for why I do not like Sergei Bobrovsky, he is one of the greatest goalies in the league. He deserves a ring. He deserves everything that's coming to him in terms of his great play. That's mm-hmm. why I think he will lead this team with his phenomenal goaltending to a Stanley Cup championship, and he will win the Stanley Cup MVP. I would like to see that because kind of going against what you said, I still really like Bobrovsky despite him leaving us. I, I think that he, I mean, he won two Vesnas with us. He spent seven years, so... I, I wouldn't have I, a I was I was glad I I was happy that we didn't pay him the contract that he ended yeah. up getting in Florida. So I was okay with him leaving, knowing that we were still gonna be in good hands with goaltending. But I'm surprised that you have him over like Jonathan Huberdo or Alexander Barkov or Aaron Ekblad. I've got Bob and wow. again I wouldn't have a problem with him, but dude, I was like I said, I was at our last game when Bob was on our team against the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. And when him and Panarin came back out on the ice and gave their whole we're never going to leave you Columbus speech, I was like, now I dislike you even more because I know yeah. you're lying to our faces. <laughs> right. Like, especially Bob. He was like, I, was like, I never want to leave. And I was like, yeah, you do. Yeah. I was like, because you know we're not going to pay you, dude. Uh-huh. So that, that's why I, that's, the, that's the main reason why if they wouldn't have come back out and given their whole we're never going to leave Columbus thing, like at least Panarin when he said it, he was basically saying goodbye. Yeah. And you could tell that in his. And for as mad as I was at Panarin for leaving the way he did, he is just a very likable guy. I don't have a problem with him at all. Like, you and I are kind of flopped on this one yeah. right now. It's like, for reasons, it's like, you don't like Panarin as much, but you still really like Bob. But like, I don't, I don't like Bob yeah. at all, but I really yeah. still like Panarin. <laughs> yeah, but at least we could agree that Jeff Carter is not a friend of the show. Jeff and- Carter is, he will never ever be a friend of the show no. and in if fact, anybody is we should of, just not say his name from here on out so yep no longer saying that guy's name yeah that guy uh you are not a friend not at all so we talked about the con Smythe trophy winner so let's talk about some of the other trophy award predictions that we have so starting with the heart trophy and for those who don't know what that is that is the mvp of the nhl uh, I have Connor McDavid winning his third because, let's be real, he is probably, he, he's he's the face of the league, let's be honest. He I is mean, the face of the league. It was Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, and while they're still up there, he is that new, that next generation, and I should say current because, I mean, he started in 2015, so we're seeing him in his prime. He's got 123 points, leading the league in scoring. I really don't see why he can't win. I also have... Connor McDavid. We agree too much, one. don't we? <laughs> well, we do but because it, great minds think alike. Yeah, so. and it's it's really, I mean, there's so much good talent out there, but it's just hard to argue anyone else. You know it really I mean? is. The only other argument, actually, there is no other argument. I was going <laughs> to say maybe Ovechkin because I really do like Alex Ovechkin, but, like, it, no. He Compared could, to he Connor could at McDavid, least be considered, I, well, I would he, think. He should definitely, he should always be. Because in he's having a career year. As a you know one of the all time greats, arguably 
arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time, and he's still playing at such an elite level. But Connor McDavid is... He's just on a whole other yeah, level. Yeah, he, he really is. I think that, again, I love Alex Ovechkin, but there's nobody else that should be in the talk at all. I think it could be it should be a unanimous. Yeah. It was up to me because he's just that good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be a unanimous decision. As far as the Calder Trophy, which goes to the Rookie of the Year, this one might be where we disagree. And there's a lot of good rookies out there. There are. They're like Lucas Raymond, I think, is one that is definitely worth considering who might end up winning it. But personally, I have out of Anaheim, Trevor Zegras, who's got 60 points in 74 games, second in scoring for Anaheim. And he's, let's be real, he's the most exciting rookie to watch out of all of them. I know that flashiness doesn't always mean better, but I think that given that he is the top rookie scorer, and because he's just so exciting to watch on the ice, I think he ends up taking home the Calder Trophy. So I have Tanner Jeannot really? from the Nashville Predators. Well, he's leading right now with 24 goals, which is number one in all rookies. Okay. Um, not to mention he's also playing um, with less ice time. Yeah. Because, uh, well, I don't want to, he's a little bit of a hothead. He's already got 119 penalty minutes, <laughs> including 13 fighting majors, and he's wow. a rookie. Yeah. But... I think he has a chance to take it under the sole fact that he has been such an explosive goal scorer mm-hmm. this year, and he's leading all, not just all uh, forwards, rookie forwards, but all rookies in general. Yeah. So I see that as a big tipping point for mm-hmm. um, the voters. All right. Yeah. No, I can see that happening. I, you know, I didn't realize that he was that good, and I didn't even realize he had that many penalty minutes either. Yeah. So. You know, a little bit of a hothead, but as I said. Um, He's leading in all goals. Like, if he could hit 30, which is possible since the Predators are still mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that would be simply incredible to see. And I think if he did hit 30, that would, like, seal it and he would win. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of good young talent out there. A lot of good rookies who, like, Trevor Zegers, I, I, I don't even, like, I can't even process that he is a rookie because I feel like I've heard his name so many times that he's been around for a while. Uh, so let's go to the Vesna Trophy winner. I think this one should be easily decided. I think this one goes to Igor Shosturkin of the New York Rangers because he leads the league in both goals against average with a little over 2.0. He's got 2.07 and a 9.35 save percentage. Do you have him or do you have anyone else? Oh, I absolutely have Shosturkin. He is the greatest goalie in the league right now. And yep. it, this one should be unanimous as well. The only other person I could think of that would be up there, maybe Bob, but... Even that, I think there are a lot that's of... That's still even a stretch. I mean, you could name any goalie and... I would say Markstrom even has a better yeah, chance than him, but... but still, but compared to Shesterkin, yeah, absolutely not. I think, yeah, I think this one's a gimme, pretty much. Uh, Norris Trophy, who goes to the best defenseman in the league. Um, I think there are a lot of really good ones out there. I really liked Kale McCarr. Uh, for most of the season as a favorite for this, but I think ultimately this goes to the Nashville Predators, Roman Yossi. I'm 100% in agreement here. (laughs) He is such a phenomenal defenseman. I mean, he hustles like no other. Mm -hmm. He always knows how to help contain the stars on every team, and he deserves this. And even offensively, he... Leads all defensemen in points with 95, which is actually 12th in the league among all skaters, all players. And that alone with 
the um, he's like a perfect blend of good, solid defender, good hustle, and still plays offense mm-hmm. like a normal forward. So to have that there is simply incredible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we go to the Selkie Trophy, who goes to the best defensive forward. There Again, there are just a lot of good options out there. Anze Kopitar, maybe Ryan O'Reilly. But kind of like in the NBA, the safest option when it comes to like defensive player of the year is always Jokic. And here, to me, it's always Patrice Bergeron. I think he's Absolutely. the safest option to win the Selkie Trophy. Do you have anyone else? Um, Kopitar might be able to slip in there, but... Compared to Bergeron, I when you think anything at all about mm-hmm. good defensive forwards, you think Bergeron because yeah. he he embodies exactly how to be that perfect mm-hmm. uh, kind of player. Yeah, definitely one of the best two way players I think Absolutely. I've ever seen from our generation at least. So then, the last award that we will talk about is the Jack Adams Award, who goes to the Coach of the Year. I think that this one is pretty obvious. I want to see if you have the same one. I have the Calgary Flames' Daryl Sutter, uh, Daryl Suter, however you would uh, pronounce that. Uh, he brought the Calgary Flames to a 111-point season, first in the Pacific, third in the West, after they finished last season with only 55 points. I mean, granted, it was a shortened season, but they were still fifth in that weak Canadian division, and now they're up there as Stanley Cup contenders. Do you have anyone else winning Coach of the Year? I'm a little biased when I want to say this, but I think they should give Brad Larson <laughs> some sort of recognition. Because let's be honest here, when when we hired Brad Larson, I was so disappointed. I mm-hmm. was like, you've got to be joking. I, and, I felt the same way, too. I thought there were a lot of good other options out there, but, you know, just... Let's be honest here. Everybody had the Jackets finishing as the one of the worst, if not the worst team in the league, and yet... Mm-hmm here we are that we were in playoff contention up until about two weeks ago where we played with a mix of, I don't want to be like ragtag guys, but such a young core team. And the, the fact that we managed to hang in there for so long, I think Brad Larson deserves some sort of recognition. Um, maybe not coach of the year, but I think that he should be in the running because mm-hmm. look at what he did. He, he took this team that if you had any other coach there, I guarantee you they would have not played as well. And I want Brad Larson to win Coach of the Year for, again, I'm a little bit biased on this, but I'm just saying to to look at where we were supposed to be this year and to look where we finished. It's such an improvement over, even if Tortorella was there, we would have finished much worse. And yet Mm -hmm. we didn't. We, We almost finished 500. We had great moments starting off the season. Yeah, obviously, you know, finishing kind of in a low place hurts a little bit, but yeah, I think Brad Larson deserves it. He does deserve some recognition for, like you said, kind of bringing the jackets up, like kind of surprising a lot of people. Yeah, as far as where we would go, saying that I I don't think he should I, I don't think he should be considered for Coach of the Year because I think there's still a lot of room for him yeah. to grow. And considering that there are so many other really like phenomenal coaches out there, um, like like Daryl Suter, um, I think that. He, he's not. He's not. Definitely not going to be in consideration. I don't know if he will be, but I, I mean, there's, I think there's he still. Should, but you know. Yeah, but there's definitely there's definitely a lot to be optimistic about with him for sure. One hundred. And I'm very optimistic about the Blue Jackets' future. It's just going to take some time and patience, and 
for all we know, it could be next year. It could in be the year after. In five years, I will. I want this to be marked now that on May second at two o three p.m. on May second, two thousand twenty-two, the Columbus Blue Jackets will be Stanley Cup champions in five years. All right. Yeah, you heard it first here from our very own Patrick Weber, Stanley Cup champions, Columbus Blue Jackets. Brad Larson will win Coach of the Year. We will win the Stanley Cup. It's going to happen. All right. Okay. So, so then, who's going to be hoisting the Conn Smythe? All right. Patrick Laine. There you go. Patrick Laine. That's the only <laughs> correct answer. Only right one. Yep. The I... only other accept acceptable one is Cole Sillinger because he's yeah. going to he's already a star and he's not even nineteen yet. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's going to be one of them. And like I said, I'm calling honestly, it out. if that were to happen. Oliver Brookstrand, he won the uh, finals or the play, the Calder Cup playoff MVP when he, after he had an awesome playoff run capped off by that overtime, that double over, no, single overtime, one second before double overtime. He had that goal to sweep the Hershey Bears, give the Cleveland or the Lake Erie Monsters, as they were known at the time, the Calder Cup champion. I think he could do that again. I really 100%. do. I think that he could be Con Smythe worthy. If the Blue Jackets, oh, like easily. you said, end up uh, going all the way in and five I know years, who the starting goalie for that playoff run will be Daniil Tarasov. Yep, because I figured you'd Elvis, say that. Elvis will probably be retired by then, which is kind of sad to think about. But you know, he's getting up there. I don't know if he'll be retired, well, but I think he'll. I don't. I don't know how long his contract is here. Uh, I don't think it goes five years. So okay, that would be his last year. So, yeah. Um, so you would hope, but um. Tarasov and Elvis will be the goalie duo that yeah. win us a Stanley Cup. And I'm calling it now, and I don't know who it's going to be over, but it will happen. And finally, after so many years of just not being able to get out of the first round, and the only time we do, we get swept, mm-hmm. we're going to be back on the rise. I'm saying that two years before then, the year before we win the Stanley Cup, we're going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Wow. We're going to lose in seven to, I don't know who yet. So in four years, we'll be back. Oh, we'll be more. Th- I think uh, in three years we'll be our first. We'll get to the second round again, maybe the uh, conference championship, mm-hmm. but lose, and then we'll take the leap the next year, go to the Stanley Cup Finals, lose there, and then year after that redemption tour, and we win. All right, so we are going to be more than just a playoff contender in two We're or three years to come. Now. Yeah. So, all right, yeah, we will see that. You heard it first here on uh, May second, twenty twenty. 2022, rather. These years are just, they're all the same. I would hope it's not 2020 again. Yeah, (laughs) my God. Uh, So that just about does it for this episode. Any final thoughts today? Uh, That guy, not a friend of the show. (laughs) Uh, The Columbus Blue Jackets are Stanley Cup champions in five years. Give Brad Larson coach of the year for saving us. And let's go Jackets. Let's go Jackets indeed. Uh, Let's go Avalanche. I hope that Nathan McKinnon or Kale McCarr end up hoisting that Smythe Trophy, and I hope that Jared Bednar finally gets the Stanley Cup that he definitely deserves. Same with McKinnon and that Avalanche team. So that just about does it here for us today. My name is Dan Groen. And I'm Patrick Weber. And be sure to subscribe to the SBT Overtime podcast if you haven't already. Uh, also be sure to tune in to Sports Power Talk every Sunday on 88.1 WZIP, also available on the Radio FX app. If you miss the latest Sports Power Talk, you can also get that on the SBT Rewind podcast. So be sure to subscribe to both of our podcasts here at 
Z88. That just about does it here. Go Blue Jackets.